Moon, and welcome to your Book Garden Radio, a copyrighted show presented by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Tina Susetic, your host. Today is a beautiful, cool fall day in northwestern Wisconsin, except I think Mother Nature has forgotten it's still summer. Um, it's just been, it's like 70 degrees and breezy, and um, but then school starts next week, and I know we're going to get some hot weather to help the kids with their studies, wishing they were in their pools and running around outside. Uh, today's show will be a little bit different. Instead of an author, I am visiting with cover model, actor, and producer Michael Foster. Like myself, Michael hails from the Midwest, being from Michigan. Um, we met last June at Wild Deadwood Reads in Deadwood, South Dakota. He and my husband bonded over their love of hard rock music. Um, both Al and I and many others at the event found this giant of a man to be a warm-hearted and as friendly as they come. Um, don't let his six-foot-six-inch height and booming voice fool you. I think he's just a big teddy bear. Um, after he and I talk a bit, we'll open the lines for questions, and then I'll let you know when and give you the um, the phone number to call in. So welcome, Michael. Hi, Tina. It's great to be here. Ah, nice to have you here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You have you have a you have a huge uh, bio and um, um, credits to your credits to your name, and it would take most of the show to go through them all. But just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I'll, I'll make it as brief as possible here. From Michigan, went to college in Ohio, came back to Michigan, and for nine years I was a uh, high school English teacher. And then I uh, got the acting bug after doing a uh, <laughs> a cheesy reality show in uh, in Michigan, uh, which led me to do a lot of local commercials. And I was like, you know, my motto in life is if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. So if I'm going to want to be a, an actor and make movies, Monroe, Michigan is a great place to, to live, great place to raise a family, but it's definitely not uh, the epicenter of uh, film and television. So I packed up my bags, and I literally moved to Beverly. <laughs> so uh came out here, and I have been, uh, you know, working as an actor. I've uh, been doing a lot of uh, television. Uh, some have got a couple of movies here coming up. And uh, along the way, I, uh, I was, I guess you could use the word discovered by uh, period images. And that's where I started doing most of my uh, – most of my modeling work, and now we're about 800 romance covers later. Uh, here we are talking, Tina. There it is, in a nutshell. Wow. <laughs> That's, you know, when I read that, 800 covers, and I, I, I started going through some of my covers going, is he on this one? Is he on this one? Because, <laughs> you know, I'm a romance author and an avid romance reader, and, um, yeah, I, I had actually had to go online and see some of them, like, oh, I recognize that one, and I recognize that one, and... Um, yeah, and that was one of my questions. I mean, you have you have uh, you were a high school English teacher for nine years with an MA and a BA in education in English, which, by the way, I'm always impressed with anybody who can teach middle school and high school. You have my utmost respect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> those those are tough years. I used to be a, I used to be a teacher myself, and I I stopped at fifth grade, because <laughs> so, I didn't want to deal with the hormones. Um, and well, I, you well, know, well, and I, I asked you know. Stop you there for a second. I, I, I got to tell you, as long as you brought that up, I do have to comment on that. And that is the reason that I love teaching sophomores, because I taught uh, sophomore, Engl- or, uh, sophomore world literature. And the deal is, is I'm glad you brought the hormones up, because I can't think of a time in my life when I was more screwed up when I was 14 or 15. I mean, you go from you're no longer a little kid, you're not quite an adult, you're somewhere in the middle, and then all of a sudden these hormones are taking over. So you don't know what to do. So I kind of looked at it like, yeah. I'm going to do this. Maybe it would be a good good idea to be in a position where you could, you know, throw a little bit of guidance out for those, uh, you know, lost, uh, <laughs> those lost in-between yeah. folks, which are the, the sophomores, in my opinion. So, sorry, continue. Well, and I, I always think of, I've got two granddaughters that are going to be sophomores. And, you know, what you said was exactly true. They're, her younger siblings get mad because she didn't want to play anymore. You know, but every once in a while, she acts like a little girl again, you know, and it's fun fun to see that. But then again, she's like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> she's a, they're, they're both sweet girls, but, you know, they're, they're teenagers. And the seventh and eighth graders, you can see them starting to slide into that. And it's like, I'm glad they're my grandchildren, <laughs> not my children anymore. So, um, yeah, and, you know, when I, when I was reading your bio, it's like, well, how do you go from being an English teacher to being a romance cover model? So um, 
you just kind of you kind of answered that for me. But what was what was that what was that like? It was you know the thing of it is cover model. It, it really all does stem back from my my education as a as an English teacher. You know because the thing of it is is uh, as an actor, my job is to take a script and be able to analyze it and break it down and decide what character choices I want to do and, and to understand what the, uh, what the writer's trying to convey, the tone of the story, things of that nature. So that was my, you know, that's my job as an actor. That's, that's, that's my day job. But when I moonlight as a romance cover model, <laughs> I think the reason that I'm able to have the longevity that I have is because um, I don't just go there and throw on the duck lips during the shoot and do, you know, a couple of strike, a couple of poses. I truly am asking uh, Mary, who I work with uh, at Period Images, I'm like, what's going on in this scene? I mean, okay, wait. So I'm the pirate. That's the British Armada, and I have to defend her. Okay, great. So I'm able to actually think about what's going on potentially in the story and convey that with, uh, you know, emotions. That's, that's how I look at it. Well, I, a couple of years ago I was at an event where they, they did a, um, a, cover, a cover shoot, and I don't remember the name of the of the model who was who was doing it, but you know, it was him and then a couple of other female models. And you know, he would he would pose with one model and then take a short break, pose with another model. What amazed me was how exhausted he was. I mean, he was sweating. They kept having to wipe his face because he kept having to change poses, and he never really got a break. Is that your take on it too? Well, I'm pretty lucky that the fact that I do have long hair, I usually have Rosa who works for period images. She's usually in front of me with an electric leaf blower <laughs> blowing my hair. Oh. <laughs> so I never, I never, I never usually overheat just because I have so much wind being blown at me. About the only thing that happens is oh. my eyes dry out. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I, it's not so much physically demanding for me as it is mentally, because like I say, I, it's some of these shoots go all day long. I'll be there eight, nine hours. And that is, you know, out of eight, nine hours, you got to figure at least a couple of hours working where you're just nonstop conveying emotions. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not just standing there. I'm trying to do my absolute best to convey, uh, you know, convey it through my eyes, my facial expressions. And, you know, it's like just being like, it's like being a teacher. You're on from when the bell rings first thing in the morning until when the bell rings at the end of the day. So it's, it's more of a, I, I would say, yeah, more of a, a mental, mental fatigue than it would be uh, physical fatigue, at least in my case. Yeah. I hadn't thought of it that way that, you know, it, would, it is like acting because, you know, yeah, if you were, you know, do you need an angry look? Well, most most, well, most romance covers do not have an angry looking hero on them, but, um, you know, <laughs> no. sad or pensive or loving or, um, you know, all the different heroic. emotions that, the, you know, that, yeah, heroic, yes, <laughs> mean, strong. I mean, I, I, there was one of you um, where you're holding a sword, I think, and you really <laughs> look There's tough. been quite I a mean, few of those. <laughs> Oh, I suppose. Are they are they mainly historical covers, romance, you know, or are they all contemporary or? Um, most that I do have been historical. I do a lot of uh, uh, Vikings. I do a lot of Scottish Highlanders. Uh, I've done a lot of um, old pirates, but uh, the contemporary ones tend to be around uh, paranormal type. Uh, there's a million different genres: uh, teen paranormal, adult. You, yeah. you know, you know this. Uh, so it's a lot of the paranormal and the um, I did do a Mr. <laughs> I did a Mr. Gray shoot once. That was interesting. Uh, everyone's telling me, like, all right, you have to take your tie off and you're like choking her with a tie. And I'm like, OK, I don't watch the movie. Sorry. I don't know what we're talking about, but I don't really want to choke anybody. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so that was that was interesting. But that was that's that's about the extent of my contemporary. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I can kind of see that with your, with your, you know, with your facial features and your long hair that you'd be more suited towards the, you know, toward the historical. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have, like I said, I'm going to have to go through some of my, my uh, books to see if I recognize you on the covers. So how many years have you been doing the, the modeling? I want to say I started in 2014. I believe that's when it when it happened. I uh, <laughs> I saw an ad uh, in one of our um, what's called they're, they're called breakdowns. So like as an actor, uh, my agents, my managers, their job is to look at the breakdowns, which are basically lists 
of different characters. So it's like, you know, we're looking for a tall Caucasian male between 30s and 40s that could play this. So we get those every day. And sometimes I'll get on and kind of look around as well. And I saw uh, this ad that was looking for romance models that must have long hair, tall, imposing. I think they even said blue eyes. And I was like, huh, I know that guy. So I, uh, I decided that it said, it said, it said, please send a picture. And I literally had just done a, uh, a commercial for Virgin America Airlines. And I had this, I was all greased up, dressed like the, uh, this pro wrestler, the ultimate warrior. I had face paint on, I was making a big brawr picture. And I was like, you know something? I knew every guy that was going to audition for this or send their pictures in, we're going to send the duck lips and the pouty face and all that. And I was like, I'm just going to send them one of me being a pro wrestler. See what they think about that. Because at the time, I was like, I don't, I'm not a model. It doesn't matter. And uh, Mary and Arlene, who do the casting for Period Images, or she goes by VJ, VJ and Arlene thought that it was funny. And they're like, okay, send us a couple of real pictures now. So uh, the fact that they thought <laughs> I had a sense of humor, they, they gave me a chance to send in my real pictures. They said, okay, let's, let's do a shoot with you. And, you know, here in Hollywood, any chance you get to get your foot in the door and make an impression, in my opinion, is probably the most important thing you can do. You know, unless your dad is a major producer or, you know, Kevin Feige of Mar- Marvel, you know, <laughs> you got to do what you can <laughs> with what, you, what you've got. So I got my foot in the door and I went there and I'm, you know, when it comes to, I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I'm a clown. I like to have fun. I goof around. But when it comes to my work, I, I guess you could say I don't take myself very seriously, but I take my work very seriously. So I went in there and did my absolute best, and that led to another shoot and another shoot and another shoot. And then I started traveling to the conventions, which is where I met you at the Wild Deadwood Reads. Yeah. That was that was a fun event. I mean, everybody's going. I hope you come back next year. But I think they try to get somebody different in each year. I just happened while you were, you know, uh, talking. I pulled up period images, and you did a. There's a whole series of with uh, you and Yanni, Yana. Oh, there's yeah, there's there's Yana, there's Angelica, there's uh, Nina. It's <laughs> I really get a kick out of this because almost every girl that I've posed with, with the exception of like one or two, they're all Eastern European. So they're either from. Whoop! Are you there, Michael? Oh, lost him. Um, he'll 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 call back in. I'm not sure what happened. Um because we don't want to miss out on any more of his uh talking so um of his of his interview that's never happened before so um we'll wait for him to call back oh there he is okay I'm ba- yep it's i, I you know Are you what? There? I, I, I yep i'm can you hear me okay tina yep i can hello Okay. Okay. Great. No, I was just saying that uh, yep. most of the girls that I work with are Eastern European. So, you know, Yana is Russian, uh, Angelica is Ukrainian. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. I, I get a kick out of them. It's funny because a lot of the roles that I play on television and in film, I'm playing Eastern European bad guys. So I have to have accent of Eastern European men. So when I get on set, I say, Yana, does this sound like I could be Russian <laughs> men? Yeah. And she's like, that's pretty good. So I'm like, all right, just checking. Yeah. <laughs> so they helped me out with that. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good. Um, and she must be, she must be fairly tall because you, you are tall. She's, yeah. She usually has some, the girls usually have high boots on. And a lot of times what I'll do is I kind of like, if you can't see my legs, a lot of times I'll be kind of doing like a little mini splits just to bring it down a little bit for Mary because I am so tall. And the room that we shoot in, um, the new studio we shoot in is huge, so I can swing the sword around and do all of that. But our old studio wasn't that big, so I had to try to look as – this is going to sound odd, but I had to look as big as possible while trying to be as compact as possible. So that was a chore. <laughs> I see one here with Jax Turner. Yes, Jack, and Jax, it's funny because Jax is tiny. She is so little. She is. And the pictures, <laughs> yeah, the pictures that I do with her, I mean, I literally, <laughs> I'm 6'6", six, six, and she's probably oh, five, one, if, five, two. Maybe two, yeah, maybe five, two. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I was just, she's on the cover of my, my next book. 
Um, okay. Um, and I and I didn't realize it was her until I had posted on Facebook about the cover, and I get a message from her saying, "Thank you for using you know using me on your cover." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that is you." <laughs> her face is kind yeah. of to the side. I actually met her at a Romantic Times convention several several years ago. So, um, yeah, she she she's tiny. <laughs> Yeah, very nice girl, um, very nice girl. But but you brought yeah. up a good point. That's that's the thing that, that kind of bums me out as an author, or not an author, <laughs> as a uh, as a model is that a lot of times I don't know what books I'm on. So I'll just have somebody forward it to me and say, hey, look at this. So if anyone's listening, if you have used me to cover, make sure you tag me so I can, you know, I mean, A, I'd like to thank people that, that use me on their covers, and B, I'd like to help promote it. You know, I can put that on my my social media as well, but as is an actor, we're a lot like actors and models. We're the last ones to know. I don't know when the next you know episode of whatever I did is going to air. I don't know when the next cover is coming out. We don't know anything. So <laughs> you don't you don't know when a show you're on a show you're on is going to be aired. Oh, people are. Uh, I just uh, I just I yeah I just wrapped a couple of um, a couple of TV shows that I just did, and I. Just usually, I find out the way everybody else does. I have to look it up and see what episode. You know, I don't get I don't get an email from production saying, "Hey, it's going to air on CBS at nine o'clock on the twenty seventh or anything like that." I usually I have to look it up like everyone else. It drives me crazy because my parents huh. are. I was like, "So when's that movie Wolfhound that you did? When's that coming out?" I've got them trained now. I'm like, "Look, I promise you, when I know, you'll be the first people to know." <laughs> you know, but we just we just never know. Huh. That's interesting. I I wouldn't have thought that because yeah, how can you promote it if you know you'd think they'd want you to know so you can promote it to your friends and family and hmm, that's interesting. What what? Well, you learn something new every day, but, right? <laughs> I learned it too when I first started yeah. acting. I was like I was like wait, no one's and the other thing too is is when we um we have to make a reel, which is basically our our, our work resume. Um, you know, like uh, for example, I just did a, a show called Lethal Weapon on Fox. And uh, it's not like they send me the footage of it. I mean, it's my job to track down the footage, and I have to pay a guy to, to, to find the material so I can use that on my reel. I mean, it's, uh, you know, the studios, it's kind of like, all right, thanks, bye. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't ship you off with, like, and here's a, a DVD copy, and here's a digital copy. It doesn't work like that. It's on the actors to, to take care of that themselves. Huh. So I can't just go on Fox and watch Lisa Weapon and say, okay, this is the one that, Michael's going to be on. <laughs> you, you know, you know what works the best, and I, I tell a lot of people that ask me what, when I'm doing things. Um, you and I, before we went on air, I was explaining to you the International Movie Database, IMDb. Uh, you can look up Michael Wayne Foster on there, and that's got all of my new projects, and that would be the one that would tell you when it's going to air. So go into imdb.com, looking me up. And then that'll show all the stuff that I'm doing. That's <laughs> funny thing is that's usually how I figure out what's what's airing next. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's just I don't know. That, that really surprises me. Like wow. Um, you you mentioned um, oh the wolf, the uh, what was it the wolfhound? No. Yeah, wolfhound. Um, yeah, absolutely. Now is that the is that the World War Two one? It is. It is. Because I've 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 seen pictures of of you in 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 uniform. You play. Can can you tell us a little bit about your character? Sure. Um, well, I uh, this is one. I'm I'm you know I'm really fortunate. I've got a great. I guess you could say a great team around me. I hate to use that word team because you know I'm not like walking around with team Foster shirts on. But the people that are <laughs> their job is to get me in front of the uh, get me in front of the casting directors and the producers and those people. That's that's my management and my agency, and my manager in Michigan and the Midwest and uh, Europe and he pretty much handles everything. Uh, Benny Taylor with John Thomas um, set me up. He calls me up and he's like, Hey, uh, how would you feel about doing a World War II movie? And, I mean, I grew up with both of my grandfathers being in World War II and hearing all the stories and on and on and on. So I was like, it would be my dream job to do this. He's like, well, there's kind of one uh, caveat. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, well, you're going to play an evil Nazi captain. I was like, oh, great. Uh, well, uh, I was kind of <laughs> hoping I could be one of the good guys, but if I'm going to be a bad guy, I'm going to be the worst. So um, we went back, and, and it was – it's. I guess it's not coincidental. I think it's ironic that I came to California to pursue acting 
And my biggest role yet, I go back to Michigan, 20, 25 miles away from my parents' house to film a World War II movie. And, I, and it was great. It's, uh, it's basically a oh. story of – I know, right? It's like the funny thing is they were like, all right, we're going to get you a hotel. And I'm like, I'll tell you what. I don't need a hotel or anything like that. I just want to stay at my parents' house and have mom's home cooking. Is that cool? And they were like, okay, <laughs> you know. So, um, so uh, yeah, basically what the story is about, it's a group of uh, Jewish-American pilots in World War II that are shot down in occupied France. And they are being pursued by the Nazis, and that's where I come in. So it's um, – uh, you know, being on set, I, I've been on a lot of sets that have a lot of green screens and there's a lot of digital effects, but the director, uh, Michael Chate, is, he's a very hands-on, he wants real effects, he really wants people when explosions are happening, you know, they're hooked up on wires getting flown through the air. I mean, his action sequences are going to be insane. And th- this is a movie, and I, I know I'm biased, but this is a movie that I absolutely would want to watch. I Like, this. this will be great. So it should be uh, an action extravaganza with a uh, pretty good message to it, too. And I'd have to say, I've seen pictures of you in in uniform, and some of your expressions are just, I would be scared out of my britches if I came across you <laughs> in, in that uniform during World War II. I would be, yeah, I'd be running in the other direction. But then I saw other pictures of you on set where you're laughing, you you know, you're smiling. It's like, yeah, that's the that that's the Michael I know. So, yeah, you're very you're very intimidating. Well, I really appreciate that. Um, I uh, you know, Tina, I I you know, I'm I'm not how do I say this? I'm not a method actor. Like I've played bad guy roles before, and before the time comes to film. You know, I need to take time to get in the space I need to be in. But you'll see some actors the entire day sitting around being sullen and angry and trying to get themselves in a place. And that's not me. As soon as they call cut, I, I go back to me again. And that's, that's how I uh, – that's kind of my process, you know. And I, I, really, I really enjoy doing that. And, and I wouldn't want to be in a place where I'm constantly in pure Nazi mode or I've done a – you know, I, I did one where I was a chainsaw axe murderer guy, axe man too. And oh. it was like the whole <laughs> – yeah, yeah, my whole character was just evil and killing people and all this, and it's like, I don't want to, once they call cut, I don't want to sit around thinking about this stuff anymore, that's that's bad, that's horrible, so I uh, I do what I can to, you know, get into character before the shoot, and then right afterwards, I'm I'm back to the guy that you saw in the picture, smiling and having a good time. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of like as an, you know, as an author, it's hard to shut off the story. For me, anyway, and I know for a lot of authors, too, I could be going for a walk, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I, you know, oh, I could do this, oh, I could do that. And every time it's like, just think of something else, you know, just get it out of you. And, and I would think, you know, in your case, playing an axe murderer, you know, or, or an evil, evil Nazi, um, doing it the way you do, you're less likely to take it home with you, <laughs> if you know oh, what I mean. I, well, Tina, I was an English teacher, so do you think I ever took my work home with me? Absolutely oh, <laughs> not. <laughs> I mean, I would the kids that you know, I, I I would get bummed out during the day of their apathy, but then I'd leave there and be like, hey, they're the ones that have to deal with spending the rest of their life being miserable, not me. I can be like, hey, horses, here's water, have a drink. You don't want to drink? That's fine, that's your call. But I'm not going to stress out about it. So that's kind of kind of the mentality that I have with with acting as well. I mean, even if I'm playing someone, some horrible human being of a character. I'm not taking that home with me because I don't want that on my conscience. You know, I don't want to have to deal with that. Well, and the people around you don't want to want you to deal with it either. <laughs> you know, I would, okay. could you I don't imagine know, I think if I came fine. home to my wife? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, she would. By the way, happy anniversary! You just had you you two just had your anniversary. I saw that on Facebook. Um, oh, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. Well, it's funny um, you said that because I didn't get to have uh, my my one year anniversary because of Wolfhound. Um, I was, uh, we, we had plans to, to go do something. And again, I told you that us actors are the last to know, and they moved my shoot date, uh, to the time that was right during our, our anniversary. So I had to go back for three weeks and film in Michigan. And it was crazy on the day. Uh, it was a Saturday. That would have been the day of our, our anniversary. I, uh, I'm laying in bed sleeping. It was a, a long night shoot and I was up working on my lines 
And all of a sudden, yeah, I'm at my parents' house. The, the door opens, and my wife comes running in. I was like, whoa! I mean, it was one of those where I cocked back to throw a punch. I was like, I'm under attack. Who's this? You know? <laughs> she just came back and, and surprised me. I mean, I'm in a deep sleep, and I wake it up, and I see her running to jump on the bed. And I'm like, ah, what's happening here? So it was, uh, it was a nice <laughs> surprise. But It was a good thing you weren't thinking about, you know, being the axe murderer <laughs> at that time or dreaming about it. <laughs> that would not have been good. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not at all. Wouldn't have been good for me because my wife's a pretty tough cookie. Uh, she looks, she looks sweet in the in the pictures. So she'd have to be a tough, yeah. tough cookie to keep up with you. No, no, you're you're a big teddy bear. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, she's we we have a very trusting relationship. So I mean, she's uh, you know the fact that I get to go and be a romance model and have other women in my arms looking at them ever so passionately. And my wife is okay with that because she understands that's my career. So it's I'm pretty fortunate in that regard. You know, I never th- I never thought about that. I I'm not sure how I would handle it if Al was able to you know do that scantily clad women with your arms around them and you know that would be a little hard to handle. <laughs> oh, Al, Al, that big smoothie, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're listening to the show and you're watching the um. The, the slideshow and there's a picture of Al and, and Michael and my myself at, at, at Deadwood. So you'll you'll see my good looking guy, hubby there. So who I <laughs> told told Michael before the show started, broke his big toe um Friday night. So he missed talking about rock music, he missed Iron Maiden. He oh, couldn't go to the concert I'm, last night with our son and grandson, so he was a little bummed about that. <laughs> Oh man, it was so it was so great. When when I met him, I was like kindred spirits, you know. I was like, this is my guy. I can honestly say, meeting you and Al were absolutely one of the highlights of uh, Wild Deadwood Reads. I just love standing there talking to you guys about stuff. And Al, I mean, when he when he asked me, so what kind of music do you like? And I'm like, uh, nothing you'd like. And I mentioned a a hard rock, heavy metal band name. He was, oh yeah, I saw them in '71. I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny because he's he. He he doesn't appear to be that kind of person, and he's he's an accountant, you know, and he had the typical idea of you know straight lakes, you know, accountants, and you know they listen to probably polka music and stuff like that. And that's not Al, and that's and that's not our son either, you know. They they go to Iron Maiden and Joe Bonamassa and you know all those all those concerts. I so. love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So he he probably shed a few tears when my son when our son posted pictures of the concert on Facebook because he couldn't go. Man, that's a bummer. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. There's more concerts out there that, uh, you know, and it's kind of nice that he and our son share that, and now our grandson also uh, share the same love of music. So, but excuse me, it's always fun to see people's reactions when they find out the kind of music that he likes, you know, because they never think that's what he would like. So, well, um, uh, well, I got to well, tell you, I got to tell you, since you were bringing the music up, when I was teaching, um, I would have my students write in journals every day. So when they come in class and I was taking attendance, the first five to seven minutes, I'd have them pull out their journals and start to write. I mean, my theory as an English teacher is if, if you're not going to write in my class, whose class are you going to write in? And you should write every day. So one of the days I would have, I'd have like different topics every day. And one day was always music day. And again, I'm, I didn't have my hair like this. I was just a, you know, a mild-mannered high school English teacher that just happened to be about you know, six foot six, 285 pounds. But other than that, I was a normal guy. <laughs> and, uh, but the students, I would always play. Um, one of the bands I played was called System of a Down. And it started off, and it sounded like a little love song. And then just out of the blue, it just cuts into rah, 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 rah. And the students would always just look at me like, what's going on here? And I'd be like, all right. Why don't you write about what your mood was before and after, the tone before and after, and blah, blah, blah. But it was pretty cool because moving out here to California, um, I'm trying not to name drop too much here, but I'm in the gym working out, and I'm on this uh, arc trainer machine, kind of like an elliptical, and I look over next to me, and it's the bassist of System of a Down. And I'm like, hey, I got to tell you, Chavo, uh, back in 2002, 2003, when I was a teacher in Michigan, I was playing your music to my students, and now here I am out here in California next to the guy on the elliptical trainer. I just, <laughs> I just thought that was, to me, it was like, wow, this is, this is really happening. <laughs> yeah, one of those um, moments that you probably feel like, where am I? <laughs> is this oh, really happening? I, I, That's... <laughs> it happens to me all the time. 
oh, well, I kind of feel that way when I, you know, I go to some of these events and uh, one, one of my, um, Romantic Times conventions I went to, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just, I'm talking to this 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 lady, and we're just having a really nice conversation, and I happened to glance down at her name tag, and almost fell off my chair because it was one of my favorite authors. <laughs> I didn't realize who I was talking to, and you know, you you, you kind of like, okay, keep talking, don't freak out, keep talking, you know, mm-hmm, <laughs> she's, she's mm-hmm. a normal person, but it's just kind of like, oh my yep. gosh, you know. And uh, you know, don't fangirl, don't fangirl. But it was it was it was tough. And um, I met Jude Devereaux, and I don't know if you've ever heard of her. She's a quite well known author, and uh, she was a keynote speaker at one of our conventions. And uh, she's you know winding her way through the tables afterwards. And I'm like, okay, here goes. And so I go up to her, and I just babbled like an idiot. You're like, oh my God, your books are on my on on my keeper shelf. And blah blah blah. Can I have my picture taken with you? And I'm you know I'm sweating and. So she put her arm around my waist, and I thought, if she turns her head, she's going to smell my sweaty armpit, because <laughs> she was so <laughs> short, nine five foot eight, and I was just like, oh, I, that was a real fangirl moment. <laughs> so, um, oh, I yeah, totally anyway, know where you're like, coming uh, from. That's that's funny. Happens. I, I'm telling you, I uh, I totally get where you're coming from, Tina. That's uh, you want to you want to you want to always act as if though. You know, that was kind of. Like, uh, I don't watch a lot of pro football, but that was the lesson I always took from uh, the Detroit running back, Barry Sanders, when he scored a touchdown. He didn't spike the ball and jump around and act all crazy, like, wow, look at me, I scored a touchdown. He just sort of took the ball and went over and handed it to the ref. You know, I've been here before, I'll be here again. There you go. That's kind of how I try to look at it with celebrities, you know, just like, just hand them the ball, don't spike it and go crazy, you know. <laughs> it's all good. We're yeah. going to do this again, you know. <laughs> yeah. They're just people with a job. That, who get paid a whole lot more than I do <laughs> writing that, my books. Speaking of books, as an English teacher, did you ever think about writing a book? Or have you, you written know, a book? I'm, no, I've not written a book, but what I am doing is um, I'm, I'm actually working with, uh, with a couple other screenwriters. I want to write a screenplay. That's really what I've done. I went and I got the uh, – Final uh, final draft, which is uh, kind of the it's the tool that you use to write a screenplay, and uh, I, I really want to write a screenplay, and I've got one in my mind that I want to do, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to sit down and again I you see so many people out here in Hollywood, so many actors, and they all are like, well I've got a screenplay, I've got a treatment, I've got this, I've got that, and I'm sitting here thinking to myself, you know something, I really was a high school English teacher, and I haven't written anything. I should be ashamed of myself. So I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to put a screenplay together on something that's uh, pretty pretty personal, hits pretty close to home with me. I don't want to give away too much, but um, for those of you that might be following on any of my social media, you'll see a lot of the uh, hashtag SOS Nicaragua stuff that I do with my wife, and. Um, uh, we've got our little thing, USA for Nika, where it's kind of like we try to bring the news that's all in Spanish. Our goal is to bring that to people like you, Tina. People, I always say my people, people back in the Midwest. So uh, I'm going to do something with uh, with Nicaragua. It's a pretty interesting story. So I'm going to – anyway, that's my goal. But, but yeah, no no novels. I don't have – I can't no. keep up with you guys. But, you know, I mean, yourself and – so many other novelists that I know, it's like you guys are cranking out like you know ten thousand words a day or something like that. I'm like, wow, I oh, can't God. begin to comprehend <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> anybody who can crank out ten thousand words a day is not working the next day because your brain is fried. I think oh. the most I've done was seven, and I thought I thought it was going to die. It was just like, oh my gosh. Um, oh, it's, it's interesting unbelie- that you, you brought up that. Yeah, I'm like, I yeah, I, I, if I do three or four, I'm like. Okay, I'm happy, <laughs> but then I don't write eight hours a day either. So um, I got other things to do. Um, you know, it's interesting you brought up the the Nicaragua because I was I was going to ask about that. You know, because I I've seen it on Facebook some of your, um, but you know, if you want to hold it off until you write your sc- screenplay, then that's that's fine. <laughs> oh no 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 no! There's there's a big difference between the story that I'm going to write and what we're doing. Oh, basically, I'll make a long story short here. Um, another socialist dictator that took control just like they did in Venezuela, just like they did in Cuba, and that's what's going on in Nicaragua. And it started by uh, taking away um, you know, Social Security from the elderly. Well, that's fine and dandy maybe in a country that's, that's wealthy, but Nicaragua is the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So he took that away. The old people go out and start protesting in the streets, and he starts hitting them with rubber bullets. So the students down there were like, this is not right. So they started standing up with the elderly, and that's when uh, Ortega, 
and his wife, La Bruja, which means the witch, she's his vice president, shocker, that's when he, uh, he decided to break out the actual uh, live round ammunition and started killing people. And he's been imprisoning people in the press that speak out against them. Uh, any doctors that would treat wounded people, he imprisons them. Of course, all the teachers and the media are in jail. It's just it's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation. And um, I was down there in 2013 before all this started happening. And, you know, it, it's just it, it makes me sad what's happening, but it also makes me so proud of the Nicaraguan people because they are so poor, but they are the happiest people you're, you'll ever meet. And what happened is fast forward now to when he starts doing all this and the people started protesting. Uh, my wife and I wanted to do our part to help try to spread awareness to not have the United States intervene militarily, but to start putting sanctions on Nicaragua. So the, the, the dictator's no longer making money to pay his paramilitary thugs and his police forces that are out there terrorizing the people and all the, you know, I, tons. I mean, we're talking, Tens and tens of thousands of people have fled to Costa Rica. They've got all sorts of humanitarian and refugee camps there for them. And uh, our job, I, I, told, I told my wife, I said, look, uh, you've got to understand, Americans would care about this. I mean, no matter what side of the political fence you're on, everybody can agree that there's some sort of a problem going on on our southern borders. And really the only way to fix that truly is to fix these other countries. And when I started talking to Nicaraguan people, I realized – they don't want to come here. They're not coming here for a handout. They don't want to be like, let's go to the United States, have a couple of babies, they'll take care of it. That's not their MO. So I was like, Americans that live in Wisconsin and Michigan and Indiana need to realize that there's a big difference between a true, you know, a, a true refugee looking for asylum because of political persecution and an economic refugee that just wants to come here and make more money for a better life. And the Nicaraguan people are like, we might have to come to the United States or Costa Rica now, but we don't want to stay. We want to go back home. My wife's mother was like, if it wasn't for you know the uh, the overthrow, um, you might remember back in the 79, 80, the revolution they had in Nicaragua where the Sandinistas uh, took over. She's like, I never would have left if it wasn't for that. I never would have left. I, I loved my country. So these are poor people that love it there. And they just want the same opportunity that everybody else has to have a free, democratic, democratically elected president. And that's not what's happening. So my wife and I told her, I said, so if you want Americans to get on board, they're going to listen to all the stuff that's going on in Spanish. And I'm speaking for my people now. They're going to listen to it and go, uh, okay, I, I think that what are they, they're probably talking about the World Cup. I see them waving a bunch of Nicaraguan flags. It must be a soccer match. And she was like, well, and I'm like, come on, I'm, that's really what most Americans that I know would look at. They don't, we, we don't understand the language. Well, I do, but, but most Americans aren't going to understand Spanish. They're not going to understand what they're, you know, what they're protesting about. So why don't we take our platform? You can translate all this to English, and we'll bring it to the American people. And I can proudly say through doing that, um, we helped pass a couple of acts, the NECA Act, the McGinsky Act, which have put sanctions on – Nicaragua, and we did it by asking people to call their local Congress people. I mean, Linda Ray Sandy, one of the authors that actually put Wild Deadwood Reeves together in Wyoming, actually got her congressperson on the phone and was talking to him. She goes, oh, yeah, I know him. You know, everybody in Wyoming knows everybody. And I'm like, this is great. So <laughs> we were actually, um, you know, we, 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 we tried to really do our part to facilitate getting this guy who's literally a monster, just a horrible human being, getting him out so these people can vote for, you know, they can have freedom. That's all they want is freedom. They don't want our money. They don't want our. They don't want to come here. They just want freedom in their country. That's simple. So that's anyway. That's in a nutshell. Yeah. And if anyone listened to that and liked what we're saying, um, our page on Facebook and on Instagram is called USA with a number four Nika N I C A USA for Nika. So that's our platform to bring information to the American people like us. Well, I'm glad I asked that question because I really did not know what you know what you what you guys are doing i had you know i i had no idea so i'm glad you um i'm glad you mentioned that um looks like we have somebody called in Ooh, well, let fun. me uh click on the little microphone here and hello you're on the air thank you for uh, joining um michael and i today what's your name and what question do you have for michael oh hello this is anna Haig. Oh. we i met uh we met oh. in uh, Wild Deadwood Reef. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I, I was just kind of calling to say hi, and I wondered when you, yeah, you hear me? Yes. 
Yep, I can hear you. Okay. And you're talking about the people in uh, Nicaragua and in South America. And um, we've host, hosted a lot of foreign exchange students, and that's one way that we've tried to bridge all these differences in people and understanding. And that's, that's kind of one of the things that we found how much more you care about another country when you have that personal access. And I just think that was, you know, what what Michael's doing is pretty cool because you don't really care to a point until you have a connection. Yeah, I would. Anna, hi, Anna, first of all. Good to hear from you. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I totally agree. I mean, my, 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 my wife was born in Nicaragua, and, um, you know, and she was there a year, and then the revolution took place, and they literally – had to leave at gunpoint. I mean, she didn't meet her father uh, because her father, I guess you could say, did the immigration the right way. Uh, she didn't meet her father until she was six years old. They thought he was dead. So, I mean, her story is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's, it's a lot like um, if you ever saw the movie Argo, where the people were trying to leave at the end and get out of Iran when the revolution was happening yeah. there. That would be a good visual for basically what her family went through to get away. And if it wouldn't have been for her grandfather having United States citizenship right now, I, God only knows. I mean, I, I don't know if she'd be alive. So, yeah, this gets really close to home for us. Wow. Oh, Anna still with us? <laughs> oh, yeah, Anna, are you yeah. still here? Yeah, I am. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Somebody, somebody must have walked by the door. I, uh, that's why they're barking. So <laughs> then they had to come back and tell me that somebody has walked by the door. So, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, um, uh, do you have another question for Michael was, or? No, I was just kind of, I was, I'm sitting there editing actually. And I thought I was listening and I thought, Hey, you know, I'll just call and say hi. And, and, uh, it was, you know, it was just a really good time hanging out so you know <laughs> so. well are, are you going to be going back to dead are, are you going to go back to deadwood next year i i'm not next year because i have another event that uh i was asked to do and uh but i think after that i'll, I'll probably uh, go again i really i mean we loved it we had a my husband and i we had that was one of the best vacations we've had in a really long time so uh, i you know i think we'll do it again it just won't be next year it'll probably be the year after Oh, well, good. Good. Yeah. Well, I, well, I hope I'm there because I absolutely love South Dakota. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was Yeah. Fun. Hey, well, you have an event in Indiana. We'll take you out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so. Thanks, All Anna. All right. Well, good talk to you. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Indiana, one, of, one of the you want to uh, uh, hear a – oh, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, well, you know, uh, you know what us Midwesterners call people from Indiana. And it was funny when I when I first came out here, um, a girl that I was uh, was dating uh, was Mexican and her friend um, was Mexican as well. And they had really, really thick accents. And her friend uh, was like, oh, you know, my my husband is from Indiana and my dad is a big college football fan and all this. So he looks at her and goes, oh, he's a Hoosier. And she looks at him and gets this really stern face and goes, my husband is not a loser. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. Excuse me. One of the things that one of the visions, well, many many visions of you at, at Deadwood was at, at the rodeo, and it was so oh. cold. Oh my goodness! Oh. And um, oh. it, yeah, cold and rainy, and it was June. <laughs> it was miserable, and and. My husband and I were camping at, you know, or, um, by the rodeo, um, by the by the stadium there. So we were able to go back and we got some blankets and shared them. But, um, you know, you guys, you, I think, you, were you wearing shorts? You had a t-shirt on oh, and sandals. Oh and... yeah! Oh, you bet! Absolutely. I was uh, I was sitting there next to uh, another author, Raina Torres, and we we're both looking. She's originally from Hawaii, so the two of us. Hawaii, like, hey, yeah. I'm at- yeah, yeah, my my Midwest powers, you know, back in my days in Michigan, I've lost my powers because I am freezing. And she's like, me too. It was, we were gutting it out. But it was just, it was just, I'd never been to a rodeo and the color commentary guys were making us laugh so much. I thought that was great. Oh. So I was like, all right, 
I'll stick it out a little longer, but it got to the point where I was like, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah, I'm going to die. Well, and you guys weren't weren't even sitting underneath the the cover. You guys were out in the open where it was raining and the wind was. Oh, that was that was just pure yeah. And those poor rodeo guys, those bull riders, oh. you know, landing in the mud and oh, I, I yeah, I wouldn't want it to have been them. <laughs> um, yeah. Something else. Something else I want to bring up that you that you do is um, um, oh, I can't think what it's called. Your your American size travel guide. <laughs> and when we were when we were in when we were in Deadwood, you were doing a lot of live Facebook, you know, videos of where you were and commentaries. And I've seen several of them on Facebook. How did that start? I mean, they're great. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Oh, I appreciate that. It's honestly, I think that if you told me that I could trade in all my romance uh, covers and my uh, acting stuff to be one of these travel hosts that gets to travel the world and eat food and drink with the people, I'd be like, that's the job I want to do. Um, I, uh, you know, it started where my wife and I, a couple of years ago for our honeymoon, went over to Europe. and I'd never been to Europe before. And I, uh, you know, when I got to Ireland, we go to this little pub and one of the first things anybody said to me in a different country, this Irish guy walks up to me and he's like, you know something, you're the largest man I ever have seen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, I think. And then we got to Italy and I tried to get on an elevator and I'm like, this would be good if I was about 5'11", but unfortunately, you know, so everywhere (laughs) I go, I mean, we rented a car. Of course, this was a bad move, but we rented a a Fiat Panda. I mean, I literally could have picked that thing up and put it on my back and ran it. You know, I mean, it was, it was crazy. (laughs) So I I started looking around and I'm like, with the exception of Germany, I was clearly much larger than everyone. And I thought to myself, I'm, I am American-sized. I'm an American-sized guy. And then we're going place to place. And I love doing the live Facebook videos because, uh, you know, everyone has a reason for why they do their Facebook stuff. Some people just want to vent. Some people want to do whatever. But in my industry, it's very important to have a social media presence. And the reason is, is a lot of times you'll see – someone go in to read for a show and let's say they give a Lawrence Olivier type performance. Well, if you've only got 250 followers on Instagram, okay. And the next guy comes in and he's all right, but he's got 4 million followers. The producers are going to be like, wait a minute. If we cast this guy with 4 million followers, even though he's not as good, that's 4 million people that are going to know that our movie's coming out. So it's all about who knows who. So I figure if I have to have a social media platform, the way I look at it is, is I try to think about all the stuff I'm doing out here now, and I'm having a lot of fun. I mean, I'm doing stuff I've never done, going skiing, going to these romance conventions, acting, doing all this crazy stuff. And I'm thinking, you know, why not play this to the people where I'm from that don't get a chance to do this? Because most people where we're from, for the most part, they go camping up north or they go down and see their kin in Tennessee. That's about it. That's all they know. And I'm just trying to think like, well, I'll bring you guys along for the ride. And this is through my perspective. I'm American-sized, and I'm your travel guide. That's kind of where I came came up with my little hashtag there. That's my, my alter ego, my travel inside. Well, I thought it was pretty good. And I I enjoy watching because it's like, well, I'll probably never get there. You had done one at one of the um, places that you were um, taping. I don't remember where where it was. It was like you kept commenting about the green, you know, the the trees and the green grass, and <clears throat> I don't remember exactly where oh, you were, yeah. but yeah, yeah, um, I, I know what you're talking about. Well, see, a lot of times when I do stuff that's on set, I can't reveal anything, so I'll try to be very like, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm here, and like for example, I filmed the movie last year in uh, in Alabama. And I was down there and talking about stuff. I just try not to get any pictures of people in costume or any plot spoilers. But, you know, I'll stand there and talk about whatever. Um, another one that I like to do a lot, my wife and I have uh, season tickets to the Hollywood Bowl. We go to a lot of concerts there. So, I, I, you know, people that have never seen Tchaikovsky in the 1812 Overture with fireworks, check it out. You know, that's kind of my kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, well, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um I forgot to give out the, the number if anybody wants to call in and, and talk to Michael. Um, the number is 347-633-9609. We have about 10 minutes left, so if you want to call in and, and uh, talk to Michael, ask him a question or um, ask him something that, uh, well, we don't want to embarrass him, but 
Oh no, 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 no. Nothing, nothing is off off limits as long as it doesn't refer to anything crazy drugs or any stuff like that. And I look at it as to me, it's a mental challenge because it's like going in and teaching every day. You don't know what the kids are going to throw at you, so you better be on your A game. You know. Oh, uh, I know that. I used to teach kindergarten. You oh, never yeah, knew you know. what the kids were going to say. There, oh, there were times I, there were several times I would have to get up and turn my back to the class and, and write something on the board to, so, this, so they wouldn't see that I was trying not to laugh because some uh-huh. of the stuff they came up with. I'm like, if their parents knew what these kids shared uh-huh. in the classroom, they would absolutely die. <laughs> just, uh-huh. yep. Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, oh, sometimes it's just oh, and some of the sweet stuff, and actually some of the sad stuff they came up with. But um, yeah. yeah, you never you never know what's going to happen. You never know if you're going to go home on a good note or go home going, oh, why did I ever think I could be a teacher? <laughs> but, um, uh, I, I can say fortunately, I didn't have too many of those days. I I truly loved what I did, but it was and okay. Here's going to be my little uh, PSA. Uh, you know, the fact that I had an education is why I'm able to do what I can do. I mean, yes, my theater classes, my English background absolutely helped me out as an actor. But as far as the reason that I was able to leave my job as a tenured high school teacher in the state of Michigan and come to California and pursue acting, it was because I had an education. I, could, I, I looked at it like this. If I go out there and I don't make it, What's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to go back and be a teacher again, which is what my goal was in the first place. So no harm, no foul. But if something cool yeah. happens, then maybe all these wonderful things will happen. And it has been such an amazing ride. I mean, I've got, like I said, I filmed, I got to go back home and film in Michigan. The the, the production, uh, Sue Whittem, the, uh, the producer who is just amazing, and Michael Chait's father, Stephen Chait, said, hey, if you want your folks to come up on set and watch, that's fine. So I got to have my parents, my nephews, they got to come watch me act in a, you know, a major World War II movie with explosions going off and everything. That was a dream come true. Um, you know, I, I just, uh, I booked a movie. I'm going to be going over in October to Korea. I'm going to be filming a movie in Korea oh. for, I'm going to be gone, be gone for a couple of weeks there. And it's just, this is all stuff that I never would have been. And again, I love where, where we come from. I say we, cause where you're from is basically where I'm from. <laughs> um, yep. you know, I, I love, <laughs> we all have I, the same I, accent. I, 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 yeah, we all have the same accent, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, you know, you know, uh, but it just, it's, I loved it there, and it's a great place to be from, but I really wanted to get out and see the world and try all sorts of new stuff. And if it wouldn't have been for leaving education with that confidence, knowing that no matter what, it's going to be okay because I can always go back to to being a teacher again. Uh, And now I'm literally – I hate to say living the dream, but I wake up every morning and I'm like, i got to be honest here. I I really love my life a lot. So, and my, my goal has always been anybody that knows me, my goal in life is to always just be happy and have fun, you know, and I, I try not to be stressed and it, it is an extremely stressful business that I'm in. I mean, for those of you listening, if you, you're thinking about being an actor or working in the industry, if you've got thick skin and you can hear no 98 or 99 times out of a hundred, then it's, you'll probably be okay. But I mean, I think about all the auditions I do that I don't, I don't ever talk about my auditions on social media, but I'm going out on all these auditions and I don't get, you know, over 75% of them. I mean, I'd say 90% of the time I'm hearing no, but you just keep going because there's always that chance that something amazing will happen. And, uh, and I've been fortunate enough that so far I've been able to do some pretty cool stuff. So that's my little PSA for well, that, chasing your dreams. Well, that's good. Kind of- that's kind of like being an author. I mean, I, I gave a talk to some uh, fifth graders one time, and, and one, of the, one of the students asked me um, if I had rejections. And I said, oh, I have a whole folder full of rejections. And he said, well, that's not good. And I go, no, that's very good because I said, my rejections got better. I, could, I can yes. go back. I still have the file folder. I, I can see from where the form letter, you know, they barely put the, barely put the date on it, you know, to where it was like, you know, if, if you, if you change this, this, and this, and we submit it, you know, we'll consider it to now I, you know, well now, now you get it by email, but, (laughs) um, you know, you, you, you've got to be able to, you know, take what, you know, editors and, and, you know, agents say with a thick skin, because I know there's some people that, you know, one rejection, I'm done. Yeah. No more. (laughs) (laughs) I always tell my grandkids, never give up. 
never give up. Um, we've never. got about five minutes left. Never, never, yeah. Um, we got about five minutes left, and, and I, I think this might be a good time for you to give us a few ideas on the, the things that you, besides 800 romance covers, um, <laughs> some of the shows you've been on and some of the movies and stuff you've been in. Because you've got oh. quite a long list of credits here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll try to I'll do the Ace Ventura thing where he takes the deep breath and then just starts spitting everything out really quickly. Um, finally got five minutes <laughs> okay. here. I'll okay. So I've got a movie coming out that I filmed in Atlanta. Um, again, all this stuff can be found on the IMDb International Movie Database. Look me up, Michael Wayne Foster. Uh, a movie called Embattled which is going to be an MMA movie starring uh, Elizabeth Reeser, who was actually from Michigan, and she was in the Twilight films, and Stephen Dorff, who's been in a ton of stuff and recently in True Detective. Um, Wolfhound is going to be coming out soon. That's the World War II movie. Um, within the last couple of weeks, I just wrapped um, a part in MacGyver on CBS. Uh, I just finished uh, Fresh Off the Boat, which is the uh, ABC comedy with the Asian family, and I just did a Netflix comedy, uh, that's going to be called Bruise Brothers, B-R-E-W-S. It's about a brewery, a couple guys at a brewery. So that's oh. the stuff that will be coming out here within the next, you know, hopefully next four, four or five months. Um, if I can just tell you what else is going on, too, um, I'm also going to start. I've been talking about doing this forever, and I'm actually – I've got the, the infrastructure set up. It's going to happen. Um, if you go to a place called Dragon Wagon Radio, I am going to have – officially have my own podcast. And um, ah. it's going to be on. It's going to be on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, all that stuff. And it's called Judge a Book by Its Cover Model. And um, <laughs> <laughs> well, again, you know, Tina, my thing is going back to us being teachers. Uh, you know, I'm like, I, I looked at it like, what is the typical stereotype of the average male model? That they're just airheads that can stand there and look cheesy. And I would love to dispel that rumor to say, hey. I'm the guy that's on the cover. I actually do have a master's degree in education and in English, and I'm going to actually break down these these uh, these novels in the way that you know. Instead of just saying okay, this that the other thing, let's take a look at it from different critical level perspectives. Let's take a look at it. How would a feminist look at this? How would a postmodernist look at this? You know, uh, how, how would they view this in uh, in, the, in the times of the romanticism? You know, so I'm gonna I'm gonna really try to break down the stories as much as possible and. I'll have the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram stuff up there. If they, if people follow me on my, my little uh, Michael Wayne Foster sites, I'll uh, share more. But, but that's going to be my podcast on Dragon Wagon Radio, and that's that's what we're up to. And other than other than that, that um, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say that that that's really that's really cool that you're doing that because if there's one genre that gets the most uh, people romance, I don't read that. You know, only only people who don't have an education. It's like there's people that are doctors that write romance. So okay, I'll get off my oh, soapbox. And, what were you going to say? <laughs> no, 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 no. I to- actually, Tina, let's expand on that. I totally agree. The women that I've met, and, and even the men that I've met. I mean, it's as we both know that the romance industry it, predominantly it, it, there are men in it, but it's mostly women. But these yep. are absolutely. Yep super intelligent people that I'm talking to. It's like, you know, the, the, the stereotype that it's like, ah, they're just putting sex scenes together. They're not, they're not real writers. I completely disagree. I have, you know, oh, I, thank I've you. read. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I, it's the truth. I, I've, I've read some of these novels. I, I've, you know, I, I, I kind of dabbled with it on YouTube before, but I'm going to get serious about it now. And I'm like, this is actually really good writing. So, you know, to just be dismissed, as, oh, it's just cheesy romance stuff, I wholeheartedly disagree with. So while I'm hopefully breaking the stereotype of myself being a model and an airhead, I hope I can also uh, sort of dispel the myth that romance authors are just, you know, not real authors. I, I totally disagree with that. Well, I am I am bowing to you. You can't see me, but I am bowing to you and say thank you. <laughs> and our time is just about up. I just got the 60-second 60, 60 notice. So thank you so much for being with me today, Michael. It was, it, was, it was a blast. I loved it. It was so much fun. I hope we get oh. to meet again sometime, somewhere. Oh, me too, Tina. Me too. And, and tell Al that I said hi. That would be great. And, um, okay. And for anybody, li- for anybody listening, speaking of conventions, uh, in Riverside, the HRR, the Historical Romance Retreat, is September 11th. Uh, on a Wednesday, I'll be there. So if anybody's listening to this in the greater L.A. area, that's where I'll be. Oh. 
Okay, thank you, Michael. I need to go. Um, please join me on September 10th when I'll be talking with Carrie Ann King in her new book, Everything You Are. Until then, read on, my lovelies. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Tina.